These are the daily lectionary comments for November the 26th. Uh, We're looking at uh, Daniel chapter 6, famous uh, passage of Daniel in the lion's den, and then Revelation chapter 22, the final chapter of Holy Scripture. All right, Daniel chapter 6 is the famous Daniel in the lion's den. You may note that uh, this is in many ways a very, very similar kind of story as uh, Daniel chapter 3. Uh, which deals with the with the three men who were thrown into the furnace, the fiery furnace. These were the friends of Daniel. This time it's Daniel himself. Uh, and now, but now we are no longer in the Babylonian Empire. Now this is the Persian Empire. We are under the reign of what Daniel calls, or who Daniel calls, Darius the Mede. And this is evidently how Daniel refers to uh, what is uh, better known to history as Cyrus the Great. Cyrus the Great was the first Persian king, and he conquered um, um, uh, Babylon. And and so from this time on, the Persian Empire becomes the great uh, superpower in the uh, in in the world. And it would be Cyrus the Great, who very, very shortly after this uh, would issue a decree allowing the, uh, uh, the, the, the Jews to return to their homeland and to rebuild their temple. But that, that is not the subject here uh, in Daniel. Here, we're talking about um, a, another test. Remember that an important part of the book of Daniel is how to live in a pagan land and yet remain faithful to God. So it's not just how to, how to be faithful to God, period. It's how to be faithful to God and, as best as possible, to be faithful to the powers that be. And we see that the Jews really integrated quite well into Babylon. Babylonian society. They took their place. They built homes. They uh, they built communities. They participated in in the civic life of the land. They were supportive of the rulers, um, but there were some things that they could not do. Some places they could not go. Remember, uh, Daniel could not eat the king's food in in chapter one, and we see how they were able to navigate that with the Lord's help. And then in Daniel chapter three, we had. Uh, you know the order to worship the, the the golden statue with the playing of the music, uh, and and th- this was an order to to commit idolatry, which is something in, which is no big deal for the Babylonians. They they didn't understand or didn't have any concept of one god, and they didn't, worshiping any other god would have been anything other than just being decent uh, to them. But to the Jews, this was absolutely forbidden. It was idolatry and they couldn't do it. So this was another test. And of course the men were thrown into the furnace and then rescued miraculously by the Lord. Here we have a similar thing. Uh, and in this case, Darius, uh, uh, is demanding that worship, uh, that no prayer, of course, this is something of a trap. Darius didn't do this. Uh, this was suggested to him by his, his close associates, uh, that um, uh, that everybody that that prayer to any other god except Darius would be forbidden for a period of time. This seems like a much more moderate thing. Uh, we're we're not telling you to worship an idol. We're not telling you you can't worship your god except for a brief period of time. So so note that this is this is a a more moderate, much more subtle challenge. But you see that Daniel absolutely uh, refuses to comply here, and he continues to pray regularly to the God of Israel, even though he knows what the decree was. So 
so here we have uh, an expansion on the earlier theme. The earlier theme is no matter what it is that you do in the land to which you were sent, you must not commit idolatry there. You must not worship their gods, even though you're surrounded by them. The second thing that now we are taught here in Daniel 6 is when you get to these pagan lands in which you live, you must not, not worship the Lord, even for brief periods of time. You must continue to worship the Lord your God, even if they command you not to. This is similar to, you know, the, 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 the Christian understanding that the state can order us Christians to do mostly whatever it wants, other than it can't command us to do what God has forbidden, and it can't forbid us to do what God has commanded. So we have this taught here. Note that Darius is really very sympathetic, actually, to Daniel. And this is kind of a picture of the Persians generally. The Israelites had a, a much uh, a kinder uh, you know, view of the Persians naturally because they destroyed Babylon, who was the great, the great Satan of the day, and also that they allowed uh, the Jews to return to, to uh, uh, Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. So there's a much more sympathetic view of, of the Persians. And, and Darius himself is seen very sympathetic to Daniel. He's caught. We have the so-called law of the Medes and the Persians. That's the idea that once an edict has been issued, it cannot be withdrawn. Once the king has said a thing, he cannot retract it. That's the law of the Medes and the Persians. And so essentially, Darius is tricked into issuing this decree forbidding worship of any other, you know, you know, prayer or worship to any other god but him for 30 days. He issues this decree sort of as a trick, and then it turns out that it ensnares Daniel. You see that he is thrown into the lion's den um, because he had to. I mean, he, he, had, he had issued this decree and Daniel had violated it. And so now even Darius is sort of trapped by his own words. But you see clearly he does not want, um, uh, he does not want uh, a Daniel to suffer any harm. And you see him praying for Daniel, running down to the lion's den to see the very first thing in the morning to see how Daniel is doing. Note at the very end in verse 26 and 27, there are words put on Darius's lips uh, that are very reminiscent of what Nebuchadnezzar had learned, uh, the first king among the Babylonians. He says, um, for he is the living God, enduring forever his kingdom, uh, shall never be destroyed and his dominion uh, shall uh, not be put to an end. The, um, uh, so, so it turns out that, that Darius, the first king of the Persians, has now learned at Daniel's hand a similar lesson to what Nebuchadnezzar had learned. Of course, Belshazzar never learned this. And so we have an end of the historical section of, of Daniel. Uh, as I mentioned uh, yesterday, chapter 7, I really uh, recommend that you read that. Also, chapter 8 and chapter 9 would be interesting, too, but especially chapter 7. The remainder of Daniel concerns various visions. They are sometimes very, very confusing. But now we have, uh, we, we're at the end of Daniel. There's not a whole lot more of Daniel's life to live after this. Um, and so we have this snapshot of life among the exiles. Uh, and we're done with, uh, with Daniel. Now, uh, tomorrow, uh, the lesson is going to turn to, or the readings are going to turn to Isaiah. So we're going to go back in time. Uh, and and look at the, the sort of the greatest prophets uh, in terms of the writing prophets of the Old Testament. Isaiah, we're going to spend some time uh, with Isaiah. Revelation 22, this is the final chapter of Scripture. 
And there's a couple of things that I'll comment on this uh, for you to look at and to consider. Number one is the picture that we get of, of the world to come. This is in verses one through five. Again, highly metaphorical. But notice that what we have here, and that is that we have a river running through the middle of the city. We have the tree of life with 12 kinds of fruits and uh, uh, always yielding uh, fruit. Notice verse four, uh, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads concerning God and the lamb. This is the reason why there will be no temple in the world to come. What we have here is a a metaphorical picture of a new Eden. We started out with God, and we are going to finish with God. And the rest of Scripture and the rest of history is the mess that we have made of God's creation. But God is going to restore what we have destroyed. Uh, so it's a new Eden. And there's not just one tree of life. There's 12 trees of life. Uh, and just as there were rivers in the original garden, now there are rivers here. And and so we are to understand that there there is a restoration. This is a world without flaw, without sin. Now, the actual closing of Revelation uh, begins in verse 6, and verse 6 through the end, um, the theme is very clear, and the theme is, I am coming soon. Look at verse 7, verse 12, and verse 20. Uh, I am coming soon. Uh, let the spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears come, that word come. We are to come, and everyone is to come to the living waters. Jesus himself is coming the Spirit and the Bride, the Holy Spirit and the Christian Church, the Bride of Christ, say, come. Uh, and then look at verse 20, especially carefully. That this is the final prayer of the church. The, uh, and and the, so the scripture is going to end with a prayer. And it's a prayer that should be on the lips of all of God's people. Since Jesus ascended into heaven until he comes again, he who testifies of these things says, surely I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. So that is a wonderful and ancient prayer of the church. Come, Lord Jesus. When you see the, the terrible um, uh, wars and tragedies and, and disasters and the horrors of this present world um, on the, in the heart and on the lips of every Christian, ought to be regularly this prayer. Come, Lord Jesus. As we pray for ourselves individually for a blessed end, we pray for a glorious end of this present darkness and a renewal of all things when Jesus returns. We're not praying for the judgment of the world, but praying for the salvation of God's people. And we're praying for the end of sin and the end of pain and the end of suffering. We are praying for the coming of life in its fullest. Come, Lord Jesus, is what Christians pray. And then with this, we are going to finish uh, the, um, the half year of, of the church. Tomorrow's lesson, we begin with the time of Christmas, even though Advent really won't start just quite yet. We're just a couple of days early, but it doesn't matter. For uh, November the 27th, uh, uh, we're going to start with Advent readings, and the Old Testament lesson is going to be from Isaiah. The New Testament lesson is going to be from 1 Peter, and, and our attention is going to be turned in a new way 
um, at least for now. Uh, so, so thus ends uh, uh, the the, um, uh, the reflections uh, on the half year of the church with the with the fulfillment of all things, with revelation and Jesus coming again and again. The prayer of God's people: Come, Lord Jesus. It can't come fast enough.